Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
A tempest of glass and splintered wood flew through the room, assaulting Wesley and his compatriots. The small boy in his arsenal of clawed hands and tentacles entered the now gaping cavity in the east wall, an onslaught of writhing chaos spilling across the floors and walls. Wesley didn't notice before, due to only being able to see the child's upper body above the sill of the window, but the sickly-looking kid's bottom half was a long, thick tendril that originated somewhere in the night beyond. Wesley was transfixed by the scene, his legs hardened stalks cemented to the floor. Large spider-like legs broke somewhere from the child's back and began to carry him across the room, slowly scuttling across the whining floor. You fucking idiot, run! But the sight of the thing, hell wrapped in the innocence of a child, stalled Wesley's brain, his muscles, his will. It was only when gunshots screamed from the corner of the room, Vorin unloading his automatic rifle into the body of the demonic boy, was Wesley able to move. But before he could do so, Riva pushed him into the hallway, his body slamming hard against the already fragile banister. Moffat was already there, his lantern in one hand, his other outstretched to Wesley. Get up, old chap. I imagine there's going to be a lot of running in our near future. Wesley took his hand and quickly stood to his feet. The two men looked into a room that might as well have been a portal to an alien world. Squirming tentacles and grasping limbs spewed from the mouth of a child who, at the very moment, was receiving the business end of an assault rifle from a man who could mystically translate any language in the world. For his part, Riva hadn't moved, calmly staring at the abominable thing, his gaze as sharp as some of the claws that now thrashed only feet from his face. He slowly removed the mask from his mouth, and an equally hellish scene began to unravel. Black venom and fire dripped from Riva's now elongated mouth, the smell of sulfur and brimstone staining the air, almost causing Wesley to vomit. The wood on the walls and floor began to peel and rot, and Riva breathed black exhaust into the room like some industrial smokestack. His tongue, a long forked black thing, whipped and lashed the air like a whip. Finally, he spoke. If his mouth was a gate to hell, then his words were surely the demons it loosed upon the world. But he was not next time! The child, and all its fleshy accoutrements, suddenly became engulfed in black fire, the flames of which formed infernal mouths and claws that sought to rip the demonic boy apart. The inferno lacked the comforting spit and crackle of a normal blaze, and instead sounded like ravenous beasts tearing through newfound prey, growls and thunderous roars echoing throughout the house. The child thing let out an ear-piercing shriek. retreated from the mail sayer, disappearing out the hole it had once so brazenly entered.
For a moment, there was a silence, a vacuum of sound as if they had been transported into the void of space. Then, sound returned. Footsteps on the roof, glass shattering downstairs, walls and floorboards breaking loose. Jesus Christ, they're everywhere! Voren quickly ran across the room and picked up the rifle Wesley had forgotten on the floor and shoved it into his hands. You're going to be needing this, Dr. Morgan. In future, you may not want to leave your only line of defense behind. Voren looked at Riva, who had replaced his mask to his face, and began to sign. The two silently exchanged words for a moment before Voren addressed them again. All right. River's going to try to distract the thing while the rest of us escape. Once we're out of the house, we head across the clearing and into the woods. That all sounds wonderful until, of course, it sees us and decides to give chase. We don't have a choice, unless you and that magic lantern of yours have any better ideas. Moffat's eyebrows lifted and a slight simper crossed his face. Even now, when their shelter was being accosted by an otherworldly power, Wesley wanted to hit him. His life be damned. You can do it when you're alone with him, Wesley. Shoot him right in his smug fucking face. The others won't know. They'll think it was an accident or that he was killed by whatever the fuck is out there right now. Jesus Christ! This is no time for petty revenge. In my experience, little Wesley, which is quite fast, there is always time for vengeance. Petty or otherwise. Wesley tuned the voice out and started to follow Moffat and Voren down the stairs. He turned back to see River remove his mask, revealing again his infernal mouth, where the language of fallen angels would once again meet the world. A massive shape exploded from beneath the stairs, a blizzard of rotted wood and splinters. Voren and Moffat both fell through the gaping hole the thing made, while Wesley clung to the top railing, dangling over the breach. He felt like he was in one of those old movies where one of the characters was stranded in the water, trying to swim to safety, a giant great white stalking closer and closer. But there was no sign of the thing that had destroyed the stairs. It had disappeared as quickly as it appeared, vanishing into the confluence of dust and debris. He also couldn't see Voren or Moffat. With great effort, he pulled himself up and collapsed on the bare planks of the floor coughing on the dust and dirt choking the air. Get up and fucking move, you sack of shit! It's coming! The voice was right. Wesley could hear the slither of something large moving over the surface of the outside wall behind him. Trembling, he scurried like some clumsy rat into the children's room, dashing for the humble confines of its closet. He hunched down into a ball, trying to make himself as small as possible, the last-ditch ploy of a cornered prey animal. He could feel the tickle of sweat racing down his neck and back, the heat radiating off him like a small sun suspended in a tiny cosmos. He heard the nearby exterior wall explode inward, shaking the room.
The slimy clicking of chitinous legs traversing the floor beset Wesley's ears. His mind aflame with images likely only half as terrible as the reality. The wet splash of tentacles and alien appendages accompanied the clicking as they crawled and stretched across the floor and walls, flipping over furniture and tearing up the room. Funny thing you are, hiding in the crevices and cracks of this sacred place like frightened little bugs. Our Lord welcomes all. All you need do is spill your blood for him, as he spilled the blood of the other with but a single stroke. He is the true king, you see. Not that great beguiler, that pretender to the throne. Is that who you are? Followers of that false messiah? The thing grew angry, howling as it ripped the room apart. Then silence. A devouring quiet, ravenous, swallowing all sound except for a slight whisper of wind. Wesley hoped the thing had left. He began to inch the door open to get a better look as moonlight peeked through the dust. No, don't! The top of the closet door crashed down, raining splintered wood on Wesley's head. A barbed tentacle thrashing back and forth, searching for flesh to latch onto, to rend. Run, you fool, run! Wesley shoved open the door and scurried like a fleeing mouse across the floor. He had almost reached the threshold when he felt his foot go out from under him and his body lift into the air. Before he knew it, he was dangling upside down, a clawed hand gripping his ankle, the pressure making his bones creak. A similar creature to the boy, only larger, the man before him had a horrifically large mouth the chin stretching well past the thing's chest. A chaos of tendrils and limbs poured from it, sprawling across the room. White voids comprised his eyes, the pupils escaped to the back of his head. But a second pair of eyes, two amber fires glowing from within the man's yawning maw, stared holes into him. He could hear the moist sounds of flesh parting and bones breaking, a snake shedding its skin. From within the gaping hole emerged a horrible face, one that Wesley could barely look at for fear it might drive him mad. It was the kind of aspect Wesley thought could only appear in nightmares, where the mind delves into its deepest and darkest cracks and summons forth the most primal fears. But there it was, an expression born from the primitive unconscious of oldest humanity, horror that made our ancestors flee the darkness of caves and avoid travel at night. The thing looked at him, examined him, seemingly puzzled by what it saw. Hmm. You don't look like one of his followers, but you do carry the stench of something different. Old, perhaps. A language born of hell infiltrated the room, horrid sounds fashioned by forked tongues and damned minds. Wesley never thought he'd welcome the sound of Riva's voice, but he did in that moment. The creature recoiled, dropping him as boils emerged from its flesh and erupted into gouts of boiling blood.
Wesley scrambled towards River at the doorway as the creature writhed and screamed. In mad desperation, it lunged at the Malsair, crashing into him. The walls to either side of the door exploded as the two careened down the hall and through another wall, disappearing into a miasma of debris and dust. Hugging the floor, hands over his head as lath and plaster rained down on him, Wesley peeked through his arms at the destruction around him. How he'd survived that, he didn't care to question. Picking himself up, he explored the nearby hole where the staircase used to be. Snaking shadows slinked through the room below. He yanked his head back from the edge, hoping he hadn't been seen. The scream of gunshots rang out from somewhere in the house, confirming that at least Voren was alive. But there was no way to get to him. The stairs were destroyed. He could try to drop down to the first floor, but who knew where those things were? Plus, he couldn't afford a broken leg or a twisted ankle slowing him down. You're going to need to go out one of the windows. Get down from there somehow. You fucking kidding me? Go outside? With whatever those things are out there? No fucking way! It's the only way out of the house, and right now it's concentrated on what's in the house, not what's outside. Like it or not, your idiot friends have bought you some time, so I suggest you fucking take it. Now grab the goddamn gun you keep leaving around and let's go! Wesley grabbed the rifle and made his way to the third room, the one with the fancy door, and wrenched the window on the far side of the room open. It moaned a protestation at first, but succumbed to Wesley's waning strength. Before him hung the pitch of night, a subtle, ambient glow of moonlight giving slight shape to the woods neighboring the cabin. The branches looked like the thin, atrophied limbs of some malevolent crone, reaching out to grab any passerby foolish enough to come within reach. He looked out the side of the window, ignoring the grasping witch's appendages, and could see a respectably-sized ledge he might be able to crawl upon. It led around a corner, where he believed he might be able to climb onto one of its gable roofs. Still... The image of that horrible face stuck with him, with its map of crevices and wrinkles crisscrossing its face, its needle teeth and crooked smile an affront to nature no human should ever have to see. He felt like he could have fallen into its ember eyes, burned forever in the hell contained within them. The memory caused him to freeze, an emotional permafrost freezing him in place. What the fuck are you waiting for, you lily twat? Oh, you think that thing was frightening, hmm? Pushing the boundaries of what your meager mind can fathom? You haven't experienced shit, you little worm. If only you could see what I've seen, my little Wesley. What madness would await you then? But never mind that. Just climb on the fucking ledge and get going before it decides to come back. Wesley didn't want to admit it, but there was a certain comfort to the voice's presence. A kind of wizened, albeit foul, air about the thing. Whether it was just an aspect of his splintered psyche or something more diabolical, he was just glad he wasn't alone. He took in a deep breath of the night air and climbed out the window to the neighboring ledge. The rustle of wind caressing alien foliage and branches provided an eerie score to his slow progression toward his destination. There was also another sound that occasionally broke the night, a massive adjusting of some sort in the thickets. 
He wasn't sure if it was simply the complaints of the massive trees populating the thicket, or something else. For a moment, he thought he heard a large gust of air, as if a gale of wind had just been collected beneath the flap of massive leathery wings. Keep your mind on the objective at hand, Wesley. The boogeyman is here, but hopefully it's too busy picking through the steaming meats and bones of your little friends. Oh, what I wouldn't do to see that fucking Moffat splayed open. Guts glistening in the cold light of the moon. His eyes wide as whatever the fuck that thing is picks through his entrails like they were some kind of charcuterie. Christ, enough! I don't like the man, but Jesus! What is it with you and him? Ever since we've met him, you've wanted me to cut his throat, gouge out his eyes, and a myriad of other disgusting acts. He's just a pompous, arrogant dick. I don't get the infatuation. The voice was silent for a moment, and Wesley didn't know if it was because it was slightly embarrassed for its violent outburst, which he doubted, or if it was simply choosing its words carefully. Instead, it remained silent, stewing somewhere in the back of his mind. When Wesley finally got to the corner of the cabin, he could see that it was only a short drop to the lower roof. However, he could also see multiple massive tentacles entering various parts of the cabin, all stemming from somewhere within the pitch haze of the neighboring forest. None of them were searching outside, though, so he sidled up as close to the wooden wall that he could and shimmied around to the ledge on the other side. From there, he dropped down to the crumbling roof below, staying still for a moment like a deer that had heard the snap of a twig. He could hear gunfire again, and the awful sound of Riva's melphic voice. In fact, it was only the next roof over where he saw one of the creatures rapidly retract itself through a wall. Strange, crawling things, like giant demonic locusts, swarming its face and body. The thing let out a hideous bellow, and then crashed back through the house disappearing within a plume of smoke and shattered wood. Now's your chance, Wesley. Jump down to the ground while it's distracted and run towards the end of the glade, into those woods there. Wesley started towards the edge when the thunder of nearby gunfire sounded. He looked back towards the wall behind him, through the glass window adorning it, and saw Moffat and Vorn backed against the wall, the creature that had captured Wesley bearing down on them. Vorin's mouth opened in a scream as he let loose a stream of bullets from his rifle. The gun flash showed the worry on their faces, masks of morbid admission, as if they had resigned themselves to whatever horrible fate was about to befall them. Don't you fucking dare, you idiot! We'll just die too! You turn around and- Wesley dashed up towards the window and leapt. In the split second before flesh met sundered glass, he saw Moffat look his way a smile crossing the man's face. Not the kind that conveyed thankfulness or relief, but rather self-satisfaction. As Wesley crashed through the glass and slammed against the adjacent wall, he hoisted his rifle, pulled back the charging handle, and flicked off the safety. Putting the nightmare that had cornered his compatriots in front of his sights, he squeezed the trigger, unloading the entire magazine. But the bullets only seemed to annoy it, causing it to lift its motley of limbs to block the annoying things. Wesley suddenly felt foolish for his heroic endeavor. The thing's many twisting and undulating tendrils, arms, and proboscis began to cover the walls around them, encroaching upon the group. 
Wesley began to hear that sound again, that wet crunching of organs and flesh that preceded the emergence of an almost impossible face. He didn't know if he could endure its visage again, that vile countenance born from the crypts of darkest dream. It was only when one of the thing's tongues began to wrap around Wesley's neck that a loud crack echoed through the house, through the world. Crashing through the house like an onyx serpent, a black lightning bolt struck the thing with such force that its body was sent through the floor with a crash. The entire house shook with the impact, leading Wesley to believe the monster had been driven through the foundation and into the earth itself. Only a few feet from where it once stood was Riva. His mouth was agape with varied forms of foulness black venom, acid, fire, and even horrid little insects. Lacerations decorated his body, with a pronounced puncture wound in his shoulder that was dribbling a steady crimson stream. The scars around his mouth glowed with a certain black and red sheen, as if they were burning deeper into his face. Follow me. As Riva spoke, Wesley felt his stomach churn, tidal waves of bile and half-digested food begging to come up. He swallowed it down as they obeyed, shuffling through the debris as best they could. Wesley could hear the roar and commotion of more creatures entering the house as they ran. There had to be dozens now. When they finally reached the front door, Riva didn't bother to stop to open it. He simply made a sound, and it exploded into a thousand pieces. They ran out and across the black knoll, towards the edge of the woods. As they were about to enter the thickets, Wesley looked back at the lonesome cabins in the distance. It was then that he saw it. From the blackened innards of the forest strode an abomination of incalculable grotesquerie. To describe it would be to give it shape and definition, but it seemed to have neither, at least, not in the most conventional sense. It stood as tall as some of the trees surrounding it, and from its back sprung three sets of massive black leathery wings, each adorning a spiderweb of pumping vasculature. Its appendages, if they could be called that, were thick, undulating things, an arsenal of strange mouths and proboscis lashing out at the night. But perhaps worst of all was the protruding stomach of the thing, a swirling mass of humanity melted and contorted into disparate shapes and non-Euclidean symmetries. From this roiling pool of flesh and misery, dozens of tentacles protruded, each ending in human-like creatures that spewed clawed limbs and tentacles from their yawning mouths. Wesley yet again saw that terrible face, the one that had crawled out from the screaming maw of one of his assailants, this time mounted atop the blasphemous creature that now harrowed the cabins they had just escaped, its burning coral eyes searching the cursed place for interlopers. Wesley turned from the ghastly sight and joined his friends in the blackened woods. Grimland is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Stephen Anslone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anslone. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about Grimland and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythologies, stories, and more. For more information about Grimland and the world of Maltopia, visit us at maltopia.com. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 